Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Thank you, Jesus. Allow our lives to edify you. Allow our words to edify you. Allow our praises to edify you. Less of us, more of you in this moment, Father. Less of our words, more of you in this moment, Father. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Church on the North Coast this morning. Before I get started, I want to honor and say happy birthday to Pastor Tossie Wiley. Thank you. That's all I can say is thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for continually being who you are, not changing who you are, not allowing this world to change who you are. Being a consistent pillar that I've been able to lean upon, that I've been able to look at and understand without any words, but because of your actions. And I know that's not easy, but I've been able to look and see because of who you are and the integrity of who you are and have continued to be. We are blessed. Thank you and happy birthday. We bless you. How's everybody doing today? Y'all good? You awake? You okay? All right. Amen. Good to see you. Hey, I need y'all to be awake with me. I want to hear your voices. I want to hear the sound of heaven in this room. Can we just minister to heaven right now for just a second? Let's lift our voices. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us here today. We are blessed. We love you. It is a joy to be in the presence of the Lord. It is a joy to be in the presence of God. We are blessed. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. I love being here. I was at a Lorraine campus this morning, and I told them, I was like, man, I got to get to Cleveland, man. Y'all cool, but you're not Cleveland. You know what I mean? Lorraine is cool, but it's not Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I rock with y'all, man. Y'all my folks, man. I love you. Um, Today, dang, I ain't even opened up my, my thing. Okay, here, come on. Today, my message is titled, Be Blessed. Everybody say, Be Blessed. Be blessed. Look at your neighbor, say, Be Blessed. Be blessed. This message, we're going to stick in Matthew 5. Is it okay if I preach the word of God today from the Bible? Can we just read the word together? Can I preach you the word of God today? No sauce, no seasoning, the word of God. Is that all right? Amen. Today we are going to be in Matthew 5, looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and I want everybody to go home and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because this is the most powerful sermon ever preached. Why? Because it was preached by the Word made flesh. It was preached by Jesus himself. And at the time, the people were living under the rules of Moses, under the rules that 
said they had to sacrifice, said they had to not touch this, not do that. It was all very rule-driven. And what happened in the Old Testament, we see people falling short over and over and over and over again. And what Jesus did with this sermon and how he started it out, he gave people the Beatitudes. He gave people a taste and a desire to see what life would be like with the Holy Spirit. He said, this is what it's going to be like with the Holy Spirit. There's coming a time where I'm going to live this pure life, perform miracles, and then die on the cross for each and every one of you. And when I die on the cross, I'm going to pay the price, and then this is how you are blessed. Once I pay that price, you don't have to keep sacrificing animals. Once I pay that price, you don't have to keep falling short of all of these rules. All you have to do is acknowledge the fact that I died and rose again and be found in me and pursue me with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your strength. And when you do that, you will be blessed. He said, when you do that, you'll be blessed. He flipped the script on what the pursuit of holiness was. He flipped the script on what the pursuit of godliness was. Because we went from rules to chasing him. We're not chasing a rule book. He introduced to us the principle of the path. He introduced to us this idea that attention is the currency of the spirit. That attention is the currency of the spirit. And what you pay your attention to is the direction that you will go in and ultimately the destination that you will arrive in. And so he flipped the script and he said, listen, you guys have been following rules, but you've been focused and paying so much attention to not sinning as we do that you end up in that destination. What does it look like? Man, God. I want to be holy. I want to be pure. That's where our desire is. That's where our heart's desire is. But then what happens? We start to pay attention to that thing we don't want to do. Man, God, I just don't want to watch that no more. I don't want to drink that anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live in this nasty behavior anymore. And we pay so much attention to not messing up, not sinning, not doing the thing that we don't want to do. And when we pay all that attention We begin to move in that direction. And as we move in that direction, I don't want to do it, 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 and boom, where do we end up? The thing that we weren't trying to do. Why? Because our intentions were to pursue God, but our attention was being paid to something else. And so what Jesus is saying with this Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is saying through these Beatitudes is that if we posture our hearts to pay attention to him, to pursue him, to chase after him and find righteousness through him, watch what he does. Watch what he heals. Watch what sin you just don't really feel like doing anymore. Watch your appetite for those things just fall away. He's saying, pursue me. Posture your heart in this way and you will be blessed. Amen? Amen. So let's get right into it. Matthew 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This has nothing to do with your finances. Some of you are like, yes, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yes, I'm poor. I'm, wait, no. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It has nothing to do with your finances. It has nothing to do with what you have. It has nothing to do with anything that we have physically. Being poor in spirit is waking up every single day and acknowledging our need for a savior. Being poor in spirit is waking up each and every day and saying, I am nothing without you. I am nothing without you. There is nothing I can do in my own strength. I don't know better. I don't feel better. I don't know anything unless it comes through you. I can't move unless it's through you. I am in hell unless it's through you. It's an acknowledgement of saying, I am poor. My spirit is poor. It has no value outside of you. That's being poor in spirit. We have to wake up each and every day and say, God, I need you. You are my Lord and Savior. Jesus, you came and lived a blameless, spotless life, gave us the blueprint, gave us your word, and died and rose again. And you are the only thing that is worthy of my attention. You are the only thing that is worthy of my time. I am poor in spirit. I belong to you. That's being poor in spirit. The next one is blessed are those who mourn. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What Jesus is saying here is that life sucks. Life is going to hit you. Life's going to punch you in the mouth. Life is going to break your heart. Life is going to hurt you. People are going to hurt you. Things are going to happen. People are going to die. There's loss. There's pain. These are all real things. And it's going to happen to you. But when they do, you don't have to come in here and put a fake mask on and pretend to be happy. You don't have to try to fill that void with a bunch of alcohol or whatever it is you do to make yourself feel good. You don't have to be in this place of depression because he's saying, blessed are you when you mourn because it is an opportunity for you to allow me to wrap my arms around you and tell you I love you. Blessed are you when you mourn because it's real, that pain is real, but you don't have to be sad. You don't have to stay in that place because if you posture your heart in this way, you will be comforted and it is an opportunity. You should look at that mourning. You should look at that sadness. You should look at that brokenness as an opportunity for you to lean in and get closer to your Savior. It's an opportunity for you to learn his heart even more. It's an opportunity for you to say, man, I'm broken. All I have to do is sit back and say, Abba, Father, wrap your arms around me. Wrap your arms around me. Remind me it's okay. Remind me that I'm yours. And it says you're blessed when you do that. So we have to understand that those opportunities to mourn are opportunities for us to get closer to the Father, to learn his heart, to feel his heart beat. And each and every time something new happens, because it's not just one time. Maybe it's something small. Your, your feelings were hurt. Guess what? He cares. It's what teaches you the character of God. Man, it didn't seem like that big of a deal, but you know, that really hurt my feelings. 
And when you do that each and every time that you are feeling that sadness, when you are mourning, when you say, God, I'm going to refuse to internalize this. I'm going to refuse to carry this with me. I'm refusing to allow this to shape the way I see the world. And I'm giving it to you. He's going to reveal himself in each and every situation. And you're going to begin to understand his heart and understand his love for you. Amen? I love the verse. It says in Psalm 139, 4, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Before I say a word, you know it. Before I tell you how bad it hurts, before I tell you what they did to me, before I tell you what I'm struggling with, you know it. You know it completely. He cares. Do you know he cares about you? He cares. And we all know the verse in Romans 3.23, if God be for us, right? Or no, sorry, not 3.23. In Romans 8.31, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If he is for us, who can be against us? Understanding that when we face struggle, understanding that when we are hurt, understanding when there is brokenness, we get to smile. We get to smile because we know he's for us. We know he's for us. And the thing that we're in right now, the pain that we're feeling right now, the brokenness that we're feeling right now will not last. He knows it completely and he is for you. Amen? All right. Number five. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who find their dignity in heaven. Blessed are those who find their dignity in heaven, for you will inherit the earth. People that are humble, people that understand that I am valuable because I am a child of God. I'm not valuable because of what I have. I'm not valuable because of something I accomplished. And I'm not valuable because of what other people think of me. I'm valuable because my dignity is rooted in heaven. My dignity is rooted in knowing that I'm a child of the Most High. And because of that, I can approach every situation with no ego, no cockiness, no haughtiness. I'm, I'm, I'm a child of God. I don't need to prove myself to you. I know who I am. I know where my dignity lies. And it's hard because, you know, we work hard. We put food on the table. You pay in bills. You accomplish great things. You have amazing social status with your friends. Those are all great accomplishments that we have. But we can't allow those things to give us value. We can't allow those things to give us dignity. Because those things come and go. There will be a time when you're up. There's going to be a time when you're down. And if your dignity is not rooted in heaven, you will not inherit the earth. You must be meek. You must be humble. You must root your dignity in heaven. Amen? Amen. Blessed are you when you do that. You're blessed. You're blessed. And I know that's not easy. You know, it's people that get to the top. They're like, man, I'm the guy because I did this. I'm the boss lady because I did this. Those are great. And congratulations to you. But that cannot take the place of the dignity found in this. All right? In Luke 14, 11, it says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, 
And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. We have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. And in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. You don't got to lean on what you know. You don't got to lean on what you've done. Lean on him. Be humble. Be meek, and you will be blessed. All right? (laughs) Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask, are you hungry? (laughs) Some of you are like, yes, I'm hungry. (laughs) Like, come on now, get through these verses so we can go get out that food truck and, (laughs) and watch this game. Let's go, pastor. Come on. Read a little faster now. I know you're speaking the word, but speed it up a little bit. I asked that question in Lorraine. I said, are you hungry? They're like, yeah. I'm like, y'all don't even know hunger. I said, the Cleveland people come in the middle of lunchtime to church. So you don't know real hunger unless you've been to a service here. These folks are hungry. <laughs> but we have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We have to hunger and thirst for the word of God and the word of God alone. Amen. This has to be the thing that we understand sustains us. This book, this word, his teaching, this is what is food for us. This is the only thing that gives us sustenance. This is the only thing that can sustain our lives. This is the only way that we are blessed. What it says in here. And we have to be hungry for it. We have to wake up in the morning and be hungry for what this word says. We have to be excited to say, God, what are you going to tell me today through your word? What are you going to give me today that is going to sustain my life? What are you going to give me today that's going to allow me to go into that workplace and be a light? What are you going to give me today that's going to allow me to step into this broken family situation and bring heaven into it? What are you going to give me, God? It's like when you wake up in the morning and your mouth is all stinky and dry and you need some water. It's like that. When you wake up in the morning, you have to say, God, I need this. I need this. I can't move forward. Until I have this. You shouldn't touch your phone until you have this. You shouldn't turn on music until you've had this. This is first. It's the only thing that can sustain you. We see Jesus in the wilderness. 40 days. He hasn't eaten. Satan comes to tempt him. He said, hey, turn these rocks into bread. And what does Jesus say back to him? He says, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word, every word. We have to be hungry for this word. And we have to stay hungry for it. Because what happens when you lose your hunger is you get fat. I'll say it again. When you lose your hunger, you get fat. Your spirit gets fat. Why? Because you tell yourself you understand this. You tell yourself in your spirit, hey, I get this. I get this book. I know what it says. It says be nice to people. It says treat people kindly. It says don't steal, lie, whatever. I get it. I got it. I'm full. And when you tell your spirit you're full and you have all the sustenance you need, you begin to crave dessert. And the dessert of this world begins to fill your stomach. And you get fat. 
You get fat on the dessert of this world. I don't need that Bible stuff. I figured it out. I'll go to church on Easter and Christmas. I got it. Let me read this horoscope. Let me do this yoga. Let me read this crystals. Let me drink this. Let me smoke this. Let me entertain this inappropriate relationship. I want dessert. And you fill yourself up with dessert and you become spiritually lethargic to the point where it's time for you to bring heaven into the room and you're not able to. Devastation strikes your life. Your family is broken. Somebody dies. Life is crumbling around you. And you need to bring heaven into the situation. But you're not filled with it. You're filled with the world. You're filled with the junk food. We have to be filled with his word. We have to be filled with the sustenance. And we have to indulge in it. I love how C.S. Lewis put it. He said, appetites grow through indulgence, not neglect. Appetites grow through indulgence, not neglect. If you indulge in this word, if you indulge in what he's saying to you, if you indulge in understanding that, man, God's going to do something amazing in my life. If I stay in this, I don't have to be sad when bad things are happening because it says I'm comforted when I mourn. If you indulge in that, you'll have an appetite for it because you run to the things that make you feel good over and over and over again, good or bad. We have to indulge in food from heaven. We have to indulge and be hungry. We can't lose our hunger. We cannot lose our hunger for this. We've seen way too many Christians fall apart because they lost their hunger. They started eating dessert. They started eating the dessert of this world. And life hit and they fell. This has to be our foundation. Verse 7. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And I want to get right into this next piece in, in Matthew 7, actually. Jesus says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured unto you. I don't know about y'all, but that verse in this be attitude makes me want to give mercy in abundance. It makes me sit back and say, God, I have nothing to hold over anybody's head. I have nothing to hold against anybody in my heart. I have no judgment to cast upon anybody. Because guess what? When I trip, when I fall, when I mess up because I will... I want to be surrounded by people who run to help me up. I want to be surrounded by people who say, you know what? He showed mercy to me. Let me go show mercy unto him. He's always been gracious. He's always been kind. He's always been loving. And when I trip and fall, I don't want everybody to stand up and laugh. I don't want everybody to point their finger and say, I knew he was no good. I knew he was a mess. We've been waiting for him to make a mistake. We've been waiting for him to slip up. I said, Jesus, let me show mercy. Allow me to see through the filter of the cross and show mercy because you did. 
you died for us. You died before I even was an idea. You paid the price for my sin. You lived a shameless life. You lived a sinless life. You didn't deserve any of it. And you went up there and got beat. You went up there and got humiliated. You went up there and bore every single stripe for our transgressions. So who am I to have an ounce of judgment for somebody else? To have an ounce of anything other than mercy for the people around me? To have an ounce of anything other than grace for those around me? I have nothing. I have nothing that justifies it. God, allow me to give grace in abundance. Allow me to give mercy in abundance. I want to heap mercy on people. You push me over, let me say, man, it's okay. Because I want that back. And the blueprint that you left for us tells me that that is the posture of my heart. We have nothing to hold over somebody's head. Because he didn't hold it over ours. The wages of our sin are death. The wages of our sin are death. And we didn't have to experience that because he paid for it. We have no justification. In verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. On Wednesday, I preached about having a servant's heart. If you want to, go check out that message. But I preached about being a servant and having a servant's heart, having a pure heart, understanding that what we do when we serve, what we do when we are ministering is unto his heart, not unto ours. Serving the heart of the Lord, not serving the heart of ourselves. Understanding that our heart is deceitful above all things and saying, God, my life is in service unto you. My life is to bring you glory, not me. When I serve, when I get in this church and I give, when I volunteer, which we need people to help clear the stage off after service because we're getting a new stage built. So please stay and help. But yeah, amen. But listen, when I serve, when I give my life, when I give my time, when I give my money, when I serve, it's not for me. Understanding that this platform is not for me. I'm not up here holding this microphone for me. I'm not up here singing a song to edify me. It is service unto the Lord. And in every single thing that we do, it needs to be in service unto him. And he's saying, have your heart be pure and check your heart before you even take a step. Because you will be blessed. You will see God if your heart is pure. If you come up here and sing unto him, he will fill the room with his presence. If you come up here and preach unto him, he will fill the room with his presence. If you're coming up here to perform for yourself, nobody's life's getting changed. Ain't no heaven in this room. You're serving yourself. I remember I played football um, for Avon High School Shout out to the Eagles, best team ever. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Hummer. <laughs> Nobody else agrees. That's okay. They hate us because they ain't us. It's all good. It's because we win a lot. It's, you know, it is what it is. Don't be mad. 
But I played for the Eagles, and my football coach there, Coach Elder, he's just awesome. He's been in the program for probably 15 years, but a lot of his teachings have shaped who I am today. And I remember going through the football training camp, going through the summer workouts, and his goal, and he was very vocal about it, was to get rid of anybody who wasn't fully committed to the team by the time picture day hit. He was like, listen, I'm going to get you up out of here. If you're not willing to come here, give everything, even if you never see the field, even if you're a water boy, even if you're over here only practicing as hard as you can, getting beat up just to never play, if you're not willing to commit, I'm going to get you up out of here before we take this picture. I'm going to get you up out of here before picture day. Why? Because you're not going to carry the mantle of who we are and what it takes to be a part of this without being sold out 100% for the greater goal, without being sold out in everything you have for what I'm trying to do. And it is the same way in the kingdom. Jesus is saying, if you never see this stage, if you never hold this microphone, let me get you up out of here before picture time. And that's our heart's posture. I'm not up here to get my picture taken. I'm not up here to look good for anybody around me. I'm not up here to put myself on a platform. I'm up here to say, God, I will be a servant in any way, shape, or form. If that means cleaning the toilet, that means standing up here preaching, if that means serving in kids' church, if that means singing a worship song, it's all in equal value because I'm doing it unto you. Amen? And I warn you, for the people who aren't in that heart posture, you better be careful before you step up here and understand that it is the heart of this campus that we're going to get you up out of here because it's not picture time. If you want to be up in here in front of the camera, you better be glorifying God. It better be unto him. Your heart better be pure unto him. Otherwise, get out. And don't ever ask for this. No, because you're not blessed. You have to be blessed. You have to be sold out. You have to have the heart of a servant that says this is for him and only him. Only him. I love the next one, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Hey, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Have you ever been with somebody you really admire or really, like, think is cool, and they've called you their brother or your, their friend, or they're like, yeah, that's my peoples, that's my folks, that's my family, that's my cuz. And it feels good. It's like, man, they think I'm cool. They think I'm part of them. Can you imagine the weight of hearing God call you his child? Just think about it for a second. Think of the weight of hearing the Lord say your name and say, you're my child. Oh. You're my child. You know how heavy that is. Feel the weight of it. It means something. There's significance. You're my child. When you're a peacemaker, you are my child. 
when you're able to step outside of what the world tells you is justified, what the world tells you is fair, what the world tells you you deserve, and you're able to step back and create peace in a situation, you are his child. Because that's what he did. That's what he does. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The end of that verse is great, but the beginning says, For he himself is our peace. He is our peace. He is the peace that we get to find and enjoy. Getting even is not the peace that we get to find and enjoy. He is our peace. There's a puzzle piece in our heart missing that is shaped like Jesus. And for some weird reason, we like to try to put other things there. We like to try to put that bottle there. We like to try to put that gossip there. We like to try to put that anger there. And we try to fit those things into this Jesus puzzle piece. And we never find peace. We never find it. We fill it up. We fill our hearts up with gossip. We fill our hearts up with things that make us feel good for a moment but only lead to us trying to get more and more and more to satisfy. When it says right here in this verse, he is our peace. In church, I'm telling you today, you will not find peace in anything other than him. You won't find it in people. You won't find it in your government. You will not find it in the things of this world. The only peace that we have is him. It's the only peace we have. He is it. So we have to stop looking for the things of this world to bring us peace. We have to stop looking for relationships to bring us peace. Because that's what we're taught to do. But he is our peace. Look at somebody and say, he is our peace. <laughs> Got to remind ourselves, he is our peace. Verse 10, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I get weary talking about persecution in this country to this crowd, to the modern church, people watching because we don't know persecution. We just don't. And I'm sorry if you'd feel otherwise, but the truth is here, where you live right now, we do not understand persecution for him. And I don't even like to bring up like, oh, around the world, there's people getting killed for their faith. There's people getting their arms chopped off because it feels very dismissive. Like when your mom used to tell you, to eat your Brussels sprouts because there was kids starving around the world, right? <laughs> Did anybody actually eat their Brussels sprouts because of that? Maybe a couple of you really good kids. But I know for me, I was like, okay, you want me to pack it up and send it to them? Like, I don't care about them kids. Like, <laughs> still not about to eat these. <laughs> Sad they're starving. You want me to put it in the mail for them? Like, what you want me to do? I ain't worried about that. And I feel like a lot of times in the modern church, that's how we treat persecution. Oh, my gosh, there's people in China getting killed for that. It's like, oh, poor, poor people in China. But I'm still not going to go to church every Sunday. 
still going to treat this like a hobby. Still going to make this an afterthought. Still not going to abide by what it tells me to do. I'm not going to live by the Beatitudes. I'm going to prioritize everything else before I put this in my life. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, modern day persecution in America is opinions. Opinions are what we are dealing with in terms of persecution. And it's weak. Be clear, it is weak. We allow the opinions of our neighbors, of our friends, of our family, of the circles that we are in to determine whether or not we will stand upon this word. It's true. And I'm sorry if that hurts, but it's the truth. And we see it every single day. I believe in the word of God. But if the opinion of this world is louder than what I stand firm on, I'll bend. We see Christians afraid to say abortion is wrong. We see Christians be afraid to stand up here and say abortion is wrong. Abortion is a tool from hell. Abortion is racist and life is sacred. Yeah. Clap if you want. I, yeah, like, guess what? This Bible says life is sacred. So you can comment, you can post, you can dislike, you can talk trash. It doesn't matter. It's wrong. It's evil. It's racist. Life is sacred. I'll stand on it. Because the conviction I have in who he is and what this word says is greater than any opinion that this world could try to throw at me. We have to become aware that when we put things before God, when we put the opinions of others before God, we are bending to this modern persecution. And I'll warn you, church, that if that is what controls your life, if you are bending to the persecution we are facing right now through people's opinions... When this gets real, you better be careful. When this gets real, when real persecution hits, <laughs> you in for a world of hurt. Because it will. Life is getting there. Look at this world. The devil is not playing with you. He is not playing with you. So if the opinions of somebody else are controlling your actions on whether or not you're going to stand firm on this, you're going to fall. It shouldn't matter. You don't agree with me? Okay. I agree with what God says. My kids are mad because I make them go to youth group? Okay. They're going to youth group because they will know who they are in Christ. They will not be indoctrinated by the voice of this world. They're going to know the truth. Oh, you don't agree that there's only two genders? Okay. Sorry, when God created the earth, he created woman and a man. I'm sorry that you don't believe it, but I do. My convictions are stronger than your opinions, and they do not control the way I live. And you can be upset, but that's all right, because I'm blessed. Jesus says I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I hope I lose some friends because of that. I'm blessed. You don't agree with, you don't want to be my friend? You want to talk bad about me? You want to say I'm crazy? You should be excited about that. You say, oh, Mrs. So-and-so is crazy. She make little Timmy go to church. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I am blessed. I'm blessed. Oh, you don't come to wine night and gossip because you believe in this word? 
You can't be our friend anymore. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, that's what I want. I'm not trying to be like you. And this verse says when you indulge in that, when you understand that this word is your guide, when you understand that this word sustains you and you stand firm and put nothing before him, you are blessed. So today, we have to make a choice. Matthew 10, it says, but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Everyone who puts anything before me, everyone who decides that I'm not that important to be here, I'm not worthy of the attention, I'm not worthy of the time, Jesus isn't worthy of the tithe and offering. Jesus isn't worthy of your attention. Jesus isn't worthy of your schedule and everything else in this world is. So you deny him. It says it very clearly. He's going to deny you. He's going to deny you too. Posting a scripture verse in your story is not enough. You didn't know him. Serving unto yourself. You didn't know him. You have to put nothing before him. And if that means persecution from the world, man, you better be smiling through it because you are blessed. You better get excited when people talk trash about you. Especially if it's for this. Woo! That should build joy in your spirit. It should bring a smile to your face. But we have to make that decision. Because I don't know about you, but when I get up there, I want to hear him say, well done. Well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant. Well done. Not my good and faithful preacher. Not my good and faithful worship leader. Not my good and faithful self-righteous friend that tells everybody how good they are. My good and faithful servant. That took the Beatitudes and lived by them. My good and faithful servant who pursued my heart, who woke up every day and read their Bible, who gave everything they had to the kingdom of heaven, who picked up their cross daily, said, I'm dying to myself. Well done. You used all that beautiful talent and amazing gifts and amazing passions that I put on your heart, and you multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it and brought more and more souls to me. Well done. I'm proud of you. And so today, church, I want to lay a decision out before you. And this decision isn't for people who are, you know, never been saved before. This decision isn't for, you know, just new believers. It's for you too. But it's for everybody in this room. It's for every single person in this room to decide whether or not we are going to be blessed. As a family, decide whether or not we are going to be blessed, whether or not we are going to commit to what his word says. If we're going to commit to these beatitudes. So today, as I get ready to close, I want every person in this room to make that decision. Before we even stand up, before we do anything, make the decision right now in your heart. So you know what, God? I'm going to live by this. 
Maybe you have been living by this. God, get me better at living by this. Make me the best at living by the Beatitudes. And as I close today, if you have decided in your heart to be blessed, if you have decided in your seats today to be blessed, I want you to join me up here at the front. And I want to read this scripture over you and I want to pray over you. Because just because you make that decision to be blessed doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean the devil's not going to attack you. Actually, the opposite is going to happen. He's going to see you make that decision. He's going to see you say, listen, I'm walking in a new level of spiritual maturity. I'm walking in a new level of faith. And even if I've been a Christian for 60 years, I'm still going to walk up there and decide I will be blessed today. He's going to see it. He's going to try to attack you. So I want to pray over you today. So with everybody, please stand to your feet. And if you've made that decision today, if you're saying I'm deciding as a family, like I said, it's not just for new people. This is for every Christian in the room. If you are deciding today to be blessed, I want you to step forward because I want to pray over you. I want to read this verse over you. Come forward to the altar. I'm going to pray. Amen. Amen. It's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. But I'm telling you right now, he will be with you every step of the way. He'll be with you when you're feeling lonely. He'll be with you when it feels like you ain't going to be able to do it anymore. He will be with you every step of the way. With every eye closed and with our hands raised to heaven, I want you to receive this verse. In Matthew 5, 11 through 12, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You are blessed. You are blessed when people speak evil against you. You are blessed when people persecute you. You are blessed when people come against you with weak opinions because of the Lord. You are strong in standing and understanding that you know he is with you and you do not have to bend. So Jesus, I ask you right now in this room, with every person raising their hands unto heaven, unto you, God, every person with their hands raised in this room right now, Father, I ask that you will fill them with the strength of the Holy Spirit. I ask that you are stirring up a fire right now in this room, God, that will be sustainable, God, a fire that will continue to grow, God. I pray that they will be blessed when they are poor in spirit. Father, I ask that they would wake up each and every day and recognize their necessity of a savior father that they need you beyond anything else in this world God I pray that you will give them a focus and an attention on understanding they have to go to nothing before they go to you and your word God allow them to focus in and have the ears to hear what you are speaking to them through your word father I ask that they will be blessed when they mourn God I ask that right now the people that are in this room dealing with sad that they will be blessed when they mourn, that they don't have to keep that smile on their face, that they don't have to keep hiding, they don't have to keep pretending, they don't have to
to keep filling their life and their schedule up with things that take their minds off of what you are doing right now, Jesus. I pray a spirit of rest falls upon each and every person in this room right now and that that sadness has to go in Jesus' name, that depression has to go in Jesus' name, that they can mourn and understand that you are ready and waiting to wrap your arms around them and tell them that they are comforted, that you are with them, God, that that sadness will be an opportunity for them to draw closer unto you in Jesus' name, that there is no place for it in their heart. God, you are pulling people out of depression right now. You are pulling people out of sadness right now. Jesus, allow them to lean back into you right now. Allow them to rest in your presence and scream out, Abba, Father. Father, I love you. Comfort me. Jesus, I pray that they will find their dignity in heaven. I pray that each and every person in this room will have a meek heart. They will be meek, they will be humble, and they will understand that there is nothing they can do, there is nothing that they have, and there is nothing that people say about them that makes them any more or less valuable, and that their dignity is rooted in heaven, that their dignity is rooted in knowing that they are a child of God. In Jesus' name, I pray that dignity will be filled into the hearts of these people right now, that dignity will fill the hearts of your children right now, and understanding that their value does not change, their value cannot be tampered with, their value cannot be lost, that they are valuable, God, that they are beautiful God that they are more important than anything else to you father that their hearts are more important than anything else to you God they will be full of pride in knowing that they are the children of God the pride of heaven (laughs) God I just ask that you are blessing every single person right now with a new hunger and a new thirst church I want you to begin to speak that out onto heaven God give me a hunger and a thirst Give me a hunger and a thirst. Fill my heart right now with a new level of hunger. Fill my heart right now with a new thirst for you, God. Fill me with a new hunger, a new hunger, God. I want to be able to bring heaven into earth, God. Fill me with hunger. I want to bring heaven into my family. Fill me with hunger. I want to be able to bring heaven into my school, my workplace, my social circles, God. Fill me with a hunger and a thirst so that I will be filled with you. So that when I walk into a room, there's a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit that people are changed by, that lives are transformed by God. Church, cry out with your voice. Cry out with your voice right now. Say, give me a hunger, Father. Give me a thirst, Father. Give me a new hunger. Give me a new hunger right now in Jesus' name. Fill me up. I want to want everything that is on your heart. Fill my heart, Jesus. I want what you want. Exchange my desires for yours, Father. Give me the desires of heaven. Give me a new hunger. Give me a new thirst. Jesus, I pray that we are able to show mercy in abundance. Jesus, give us the peace to be able to show mercy in abundance. In Jesus' name, the spirit of offense has to go right now. In Jesus' name, the spirit of offense has to go right now. The spirit of offense has no place in this body. In Jesus' name, the spirit of offense is leaving right now. In spirit of offense has to go right now. We speak his name and say, you must go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you have no place in this body. The only thing we have is mercy and peace that we find in heaven. 
Jesus, I ask that you will keep us pure in our hearts. I ask that you will keep us pure in our hearts and our service be only unto you. We're not here to serve ourselves, Father. I pray that the servant's heart will just fall upon this congregation. Take our hearts and replace it with the servant's heart. That everything we do would bring glory unto you. Jesus, we're not here for picture day. We're here to work. We're here to serve. We're here to win souls, God. And God, I just pray that right now, that there is a rooting happening and a spiritual maturity that is occurring over your people. That the convictions of who you are and the convictions of what your word says is filling them up right now. That they are being rooted into it, deeper into you, so that when the opinions of this world would come against them, that the opinions of this world would come against them in what you say, God, that they will not shake, they will not waver, but they will stand firm upon the knowledge of who you are. Jesus, I just ask that you will strengthen them, root them right now, and fill them as they grow in you further and further. Continue to mature our spirits, God. Father, we thank you that we are the salt and the light of this world. I thank you that the children in this room are the salt and the light of this world. Jesus, give us a desire to stand out for heaven. Give us joy when we don't look like the rest of this world. Give us joy when we look weird to people. Give us joy when we feel isolated because we're standing firm on what we believe. God, I thank you for your presence. And I thank you that we get the opportunity to serve you. It is a joy, Father. I thank you that you love us and I thank you for every single thing you've done for us. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. As we get ready to close today, I just want to remind you guys we need help with this stage. Um, Elder Tanya is doing her prophetic word class in the back. Other than that, I want you to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. Thank you for being here today.